0: Strange stories of peculiar people and extraordinary events throughout history. This is Notorious Narratives. Hi, welcome to Notorious Narratives. I'm Jen. And I'm Robin. And tonight I'm going to talk to you about the Children's Crusade. That's right, a crusade led by children. They had a crusade. Well, maybe. We'll talk about it. So, the Crusades, as many of you might know, were medieval military expeditions, a series of which led by Europeans to recover the Holy Land from the Muslims in the 11th, 12th, and 13th century.
1: Wow. Lasted a very long time.
0: Well, there were many of them. They didn't last. Each of them did not last very long.
1: They but just kept it, them starting. They just kept, kept going.
0: The so-called Children's Crusade of 1212 AD was a popular double religious movement led by a French youth, Stephen of Cloyes, and a German boy, Nicholas of Cologne, who gathered two armies of perhaps 20,000 children, adolescents, (laughs) and adults with the hopelessly optimistic objective of bettering the failures of the professional crusading armies in capturing Jerusalem for Christendom.
1: 20,000. So this is like Peter Pan on crack.
0: Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> I like, the numbers, what? and the numbers are varied. You'll hear 20,000, you'll hear 30,000, you'll hear the- There's no right accord. The two yeah. separately, so. It's crazy. Don't even get married to like the ex- any Love exact it. story or information because this story has become so steeped in almost like religious folklore that it's nearly impossible to tell what's true and what-
1: so it's just, sort of like the holy grail and like yeah, the hunt a hunt or like
0: the nice limp. It's just there's it's different versions. Right. So the story of the children's crusade is a little bit of a mess. It's a mix of factual elements as well as mythical events, including visions. So essentially, the holy land at this time, or Jerusalem, mm-hmm. was inhabited by Muslims. Mm-hmm. So Christians in Europe felt very strongly that they needed to reclaim the Holy Land. Okay. Back from Muslims. Got it. Okay. Many find these stories of the Children's Crusade to be the stuff of tales that are far-fetched and very difficult to believe. So I'm going to start with the most mainstream of the stories and go in from there. Got it. Go for it. All right. In 1212, a boy from Germany or France was said to have a vision. He said that Jesus came to him and told him that he needed to lead a crusade to the Holy Land to peacefully convert the Muslims um, who lived there to Christianity. Through a series of omens and miracles, he gathered a following of 30,000 children. He then led these followers to the Mediterranean Sea, which he had told them would part upon their arrival, (laughs) making their crossing to Jerusalem and the Holy Land quite simple. But upon their arrival, alas, the sea did not part. Here their fate is set. Betrayed by some of the adults who had joined them, the children are sold to two merchants— One is Hugh of Iron, the other is William of Poscaris. These two men offer the children free passage, but instead they are taken to slave markets in Tunisia and sold, while many others died in a shipwreck off of San Pietro Island near Sardinia.
1: I'm I'm sorry, what?
0: So that's right, that's one of the stories.
1: So come children left. Come help save Jerusalem,
0: we're gonna be sold for slavery. Come with me. We're going to go on this holy crusade, and rather than fight like all of the other crusaders, rather than creating war and violence, we're going to go there with love and outreach. And we're going to actually convert Muslims to Christianity through our, like, beautiful, cherubic, childlike love. Let's go. They get talked into it. They go there. They get to the Mediterranean Sea. It doesn't part. Where. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> nothing good happens. I'll be pissed. So you can kind of, so from that story, you can extrapolate all of the threads of what is actually the truth. So upon recent research, it has actually found that there are actually two children's crusades that sort of got lumped together into this one legend. Okay. You with me? Yeah. All right. Let's go. The first is Nicholas of Cologne in Germany. Nicholas, an eloquent shepherd, tried to lead a group across the Alps, telling them the sea would dry up before they reached it and allow them to cross into the Holy Land. He felt that rather than fighting the Saracens, which is a term that's used for Arabic Muslims during the time of the Crusades, Mm -hmm. um, rather he said that he would rather go there and convert them to Christianity and thereby defeating them. His disciples preached across Germany— all the German lands, calling for a crusade. After a few weeks, they gathered together in Cologne, Germany. They split into two groups and took two different roads through Switzerland. Two out of three of the people who went on this journey died. Many others just abandoned the effort and returned home. By late August, only 7,000 of them arrived in Genoa, Italy. They marched to the harbor, expecting the sea to dry up so that they could cross into the Holy Land to complete their crusade. Mm -hmm. But, as you and I both know, that did not happen. Many accused Nicholas of betrayal, while some just sat on the piers waiting for God to give them the go-ahead. To dry up, right? Just waiting for the sea to dry up, because when the sea dries up, that's clearly God (gasps) giving them the go-ahead. The Genovese authorities, seeing all of these young people, offered citizenship to any of the crusaders who wished to stay. And most of them took this opportunity. Because at this point, they're very far from home.
1: So, it, so they just gained an economic growth by making people stay.
0: Yes. And they gained a significant amount of young, healthy workforce. So... But Nicholas refused defeat and traveled on to Pisa, continuing to lose followers along the way. But he and the few followers that remained continued on until they reached the Papal States, where they met Pope Innocent III. And there, they asked the Pope to be absolved of their crusader's vow. Crusader's vow. I will get there. I'm very intrigued. Put it in your pipe. I'm putting it. It's in there. We'll get there. About to smoke it. Nicholas, however, did not survive the second crossing of the Alps. Also, back at home, his father was arrested and hanged under pressure from all of the angry families whose relatives had left with him and perished following the child crusader. Oh, no. Of these crusaders who left with Nicholas of Cologne, zero of them reached the Holy Land.
1: I believe that. Hi, everybody. I'm
0: Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast— called PI, People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes,
1: it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level. The who, what, when, where, and why you are rather than what it is you do.
0: Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. The second account that sort of gets mixed up in, with the Nicholas of Cologne story that sort of creates the Children's Crusade legend is that of Stephen of Cloyce in France. One day in May of 1212, there appeared at St. Denis, where King Philip of France was holding his court, a shepherd boy of about 12 years old called Stephen. He came from a small town in Cloyce in the Orléanais district. He brought with him a letter for the king, which, he said, had been given to him by Christ in person, who had appeared to him as he was tending to his sheep and who had bidden him go and preach the crusade. King Philip was not impressed by the child and told him to go home. But Stephen, whose enthusiasm had been fired by the mysterious visitor, saw himself now as an inspired leader who would succeed where his elders had failed. For the past 15 years, preachers had been going around the countryside, urging a crusade against the Muslims in the East and Spain, and against all of the heretics. It was easy for a hysterical boy to be infected with the idea that he too could be a preacher and could emulate Peter the Hermit, whose prowess had, during the past century, reached a legendary grandeur. Undismayed, By the king's indifference, he began to preach at the very entrance of the abbey at St. Denis, and to announce that he would lead a band of children to rescue Christendom. The seas would dry up before them, and they would pass like Moses through the Red Sea, safe unto the Holy Land. He was gifted with an extraordinary eloquence. Older folk were quite impressed, and children came flocking to his very call. After his first success, he set out to journey round France, summoning the children. And many of his converts went further afield to work on his behalf. They were all to meet together in Vendom in a month's time to start out there to the east. Towards the end of June, the children massed at Vendom. Odd contemporaries spoke of 30,000, not one of them over 12 years old. Oh, wow. There were certainly several thousand of them collected from all parts of the country, some of them simple peasants whose parents, in many cases, unwillingly let them go on to their great mission but there were also boys of noble birth who had slipped away from their homes to join Stephen and his following of minor prophets, as the chroniclers called them. There were also girls amongst them, a few young priests and a few older pilgrims, some drawn by piety, others perhaps from pity, and others certainly to share in the gifts that were showered upon them all. The bands came crowding into the town, each with a leader carrying a copy of the Oriflamme which Stephen took as the device of the crusade. It sounds like it's just a giant field trip with chaperones. That's not totally wrong. The town could not contain them all, and they encamped in fields outside. When the blessing of friendly priests had been given, and when the last sorrowing parents had been pushed aside, the expedition started out southward. Nearly all of them went on foot. But Stephen, as befitted the leader, insisted on having a gaily decorated cart for himself (laughs) with a canopy to shade him from the sun. What a dick. (laughs) The child Moulin Rouge. At his side rode boys of noble birth, each rich enough to possess a horse. No one resented the inspired prophet traveling in his comfort, though. On the contrary, he was treated as a saint, and locks of his hair and pieces of his garments were collected as precious relics. They took the road past Tours and Lyons, making for Marseilles. It was a painful journey. The summer was unusually hot. They depended on charity for their food, and the drought left little to spare in the country, and water was scarce. Many of the children died by the wayside. Others dropped out and tried to wander home, but at least the little crusade reached Marseilles.
1: How are you going to like charity 30,000 people? (laughs) You can't. Children, some adults. And then I feel bad for the ones that are like, oh, you know what? This is bogus. I'm out. And then try to go home and then... Don't make it. Weather, animals out there, like starvation,
0: dehydration, all that. The citizens of Marseille greeted the children kindly. Many found houses in which to lodge. Others encamped in the streets. Next morning the whole expedition rushed down to the harbor to see the sea divide before them. When the miracle did not take place, there was bitter disappointment. Some of the children turned against Stephen, crying that they had been betrayed by him, and then they began to retrace their steps, trying to go home. But most of them stayed there by the seaside, expecting each morning that God would relent. After a few days, two merchants of Marseille, called according to tradition, Hugh the Iron and William the Pig offered to put ships to their disposal to carry them free of charge to the glory of God and on to Jerusalem.
1: William the Pig.
0: Stephen eagerly accepted this kindly offer, and seven vessels were hired by the merchants, and the children were taken aboard and set out to sea. Eighteen years passed before anyone heard any news of them. So that's like the whole kind of deal with the Children's Crusade. You have these two stories— Uh, These people who led groups towards the sea. I'm using groups in in quotations. Groups. Yeah, I mean, well, they were groups. Towards the sea, they get there. They expect there to be some miracle that allows them to cross that sea. When that doesn't happen, they're then taken advantage of by either the community or merchants who would seek to sell them into slavery, or other such horrors. Yeah. So much of the information about the Children's Crusade remains obscure. Many historical accounts are no more than a line or two. So here's the thing. (laughs) There's one major issue, Mm -hmm. um, and that is the name itself. A crusade must be summoned by the Pope. Mm -hmm. And since Pope Innocent III did not summon these crusades— They're actually not verified crusades. He would never summon
1: children to go into any type of... Do you believe that? I believe that. I I think he would actually... No, I'm not going to say it.
0: Very inappropriate. (laughs) Okay. These children were said to wear the sign of the cross like all of the other crusaders and that they were going to retrieve the true cross, which had been lost to the Muslims in the Battle of Hattin in 1187. These children also took the crusaders' vow, and it was binding for any man over 14 years. And the church also recognized it. But some of them were 12, right? Yes. So if they were under 14, it didn't count. But if they were over 14, it did count. And in 1220, there's actually texts from Pope Honoris III where he was actually absolving one of the children who was involved in the children's crusade and telling him that it was okay and that he didn't have to continue with his crusader's vow, that he could return home and just live a normal life. So the crusader's vow...
1: I'm sorry to interrupt you, but apparently, so you're saying that they're at least 14 years old, they can go into battle?
0: Yes, and not only that, but... The Crusader's vow was the means that transformed an individual's inner conversion and intention to participate in an armed expedition in defense of the Holy Land or Christendom against Muslims, pagans, and heretics, or any other enemies of the church. And it was a legally binding obligation.
1: At 14, I mean, that's... So... I mean, I I don't know about you, but if that happened to me at 14, I'd be like, oh, yeah, look at me. Hell, yeah. Yeah. I'm the shit. (laughs) It's an absolute great honor. But I just also feel that they're just 14.
0: Well, I mean, and by all accounts, there were very few of them that were actually 14. But But, some are 12. Who knows? Maybe some are 11, 10. You don't know. But did that mean that they took it any less seriously? Oh, no, no. You know, if they understood what the Crusades had been. Mm -hmm. So actually, the Children's Crusade was said to have aroused a collective enthusiasm for crusading again. Uh, throughout Europe, and that it actually helped to incite the Fifth Crusade, which took place in 1218. So whatever the exact events of the confused history of the Children's Crusade, the episode illustrates that there was a popular sympathy for the Crusade movement amongst the common people, and that it was not just nobles and knights who felt compelled to take the cross and defend Christians and their sacred place in the Holy Land during the Middle Ages, but that also children—
1: Yeah. Right, and
0: yeah. peasants also yeah. felt. And then priests and everything else had joined them. Right. They I'm it not, was like a collective hysteria throughout. I'm not gonna Europe. lie.
1: I'm not gonna lie. If it was 1212 12, and I'm 14, I'm going. So also I'm I'm going. What are, you, I'm, I'm what like, are
0: your real options, right? In 1212? I'm going. Especially if you're a peasant, right? Yeah. So you're gonna live a life where I want a robe you're gonna be scraping by. I want to take a vow. Or you can leave, take this vow, and perhaps capture the true cross back from the Muslims. Be a hero. You have an opportunity yeah. to travel, see the world, be a hero.
1: But even if we were unsuccessful, we took that vow, and that vow is, to, is till death. So mm-hmm. I am a crusader. I, this is, this is yeah. my life. This is what I'm going to do. What other mission shall I
0: go on? Well, yeah, in, in centuries previous— they had seen this continually happening mm-hmm. this idea of crusaders um these children's crusades the one thing that was majorly different about them from the other crusades was they didn't want to go by war they didn't want to go by violence they wanted
1: to they thought they could transform
0: convert and, yeah right they thought that with their like youthful exuberance that they could That's great. convert muslims to christianity gain back the holy land gain back the true cross yeah. and Succeed where their elders had failed. But they also,
1: I think, being innocent and being a child will yeah. lure into very different and awful circumstances.
0: Yeah. I mean, people took advantage. Like yeah. there was throughout history. I mean, when there is a large group of people who can be taken advantage of. People the
1: 20,000 14-year-olds that are swarming through the forest.
0: Yeah. So there you go.
1: I I love I love the story because it's a story of survival. It's a story of um, empowerment. I believe. I think that these kids, they, they had they had a great idea. Yeah, they had I mean, a good idea, and I'm sorry for all the ones that either died didn't, didn't make it on the trip, trip. Yeah, they got didn't sold through. into
0: slavery, became a workforce yeah. throughout Italy. And it's,
1: it's also it's also kind of weird though too, like with the parents. A lot of parents were encouraging. And you know what? Well, I mean, one less mouth to feed. One less mouth to feed. But at that point in the household, you're a man, you're a woman. It's kind of like, okay, well, I'm either going to hold you here until you're married or you're going to go out and work. Right. So in this case, go out and find something. Maybe you can develop something brand new and something wonderful. And I have faith in that whole thing. But
0: Yeah. Anything
1: left to talk about with the children's crusade? No, just that parenting is a lot different now than it is then.
0: <laughs> I would certainly never <laughs> let my daughter go on a children's crusade are they at least not without me 12 14 and if she wanted to go with me God bless her because I'm a tough bitch anyway so that is the story of the children's crusade certainly not child's play just another notorious narrative thank you so much for listening if you're enjoying the podcast there are a couple of things that you can do to help us out You can leave a positive review wherever you're listening now. You can also go to patreon.com forward slash Notorious Narratives, where you can access content that is exclusive for our patrons. And remember, keep it weird and never stop exploring.